0: Welcome to another edition of the Financial Commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski. I'm really excited to have Sasan Faiz, Managing Director of Investments here at Morton Wealth. Over 20 years of experience in managing money in the wealth industry. And so uh, I'm really excited to have him here as a guest. We're here today to talk about investing in international companies or international countries. I think that most people have a home country bias when it comes to investing, but I'd love to hear some thoughts from Sasan about why international is so attractive and why people should be focused on not only investing in their home country, but also in international countries as well. So you know, Sasan, thank you for joining us. Today. Yeah,
1: thanks for, thanks for inviting me and uh, look forward to talking about this uh, really interesting topic of global diversification, why it, why it makes sense. So actually I think uh, as you mentioned every investor usually has a home country bias and and that's just natural that you want to invest where your home country is in the US obviously most investors want to be focused more on US stocks just globally looking at uh, at the big picture though US is about 24% of global GDP wow. so the global uh, per- percent of global economy uh but U.S. stocks are 60% of the global stock markets. So, so there's still 40% of the global stock markets that are outside of the U.S. And I think a good question is, uh, why do we even care? Why, why do we need exposure to those companies?
0: Yeah, so like, why, why do we care?
1: Yeah, I think, I think if, uh, again, recently, it's, it's been beneficial from a performance port- of point of view to be invested in U.S. stocks. Yeah. However, if you look back uh, from 2000 to 2010, and this is a 10 year period that's uh, referred to as the last decade in US stocks. Yeah. So US stocks as measured by S&P 500 actually lost a little less than 1% a year uh, for that 10 year period. Yeah. So that was obviously the uh, the aftermath of the dot-com bubble. There was a lot of uh, speculation in, in technology companies and uh, uh, biotech type companies, and that ended with uh, with a major correction in, in in stocks where U.S. stocks were down over fifty yeah. percent. During that same ten year period, that was the growth of uh, China and emerging markets, a lot of instru- infrastructure spending in China and emerging markets. Uh, you're looking at MSCI EFA, which is a measure of uh, international developed stocks. That was actually up during that period, uh, not as much as emerging markets, which was up almost nine and a half percent per year.
0: Per year. So per 9% year. annualized for that 10-year period. Versus
1: minus 1%, no less kidding. than 1% for U.S. stocks. Yeah. So having been diversified globally during that period made a lot of sense. Now, what, what we've had since the global financial crisis of 2008, which was more of a u.s mortgage uh, subprime crisis right we've had a lot of very aggressive monetary policy so interest rates the federal reserve uh, brought interest rates down to zero yeah. uh, they started buying a lot of bonds and that helped uh, the economy and the stock market to to recover yeah. but also with that recovery there was a lot of speculation against starting to build into the stock market valuations for US stocks have become very stretched. Yeah. So at Morton Wealth we've been very concerned about the valuations in in US stocks. So we've actually lowered our exposure to stocks in general but but also in, in US stocks because yeah. we think the valuations didn't justify where the prices were. So so again what, what you've seen this year is as interest rates have started to go up in response to inflation yeah. uh, we've seen that we've, we've had a major correction in more speculative part of the market which, which kind of smaller cap technology companies biotech companies but also the the big uh, you know kind of technology companies and right. S&P 500 companies are down double digits 16 17% on average so so we're seeing that valuations coming down and going forward, we don't have that tailwind of monetary policy helping US stocks US anymore. Stocks. And uh, the economy is slowing down. So you don't have the growth and visibility that was associated with the last uh, 12 years, which which has been a period where US stocks have done well. So, so to us again, we, nobody has the crystal ball knowing what and when you know, international stocks are going to do better. Obviously, the big picture right now globally is not positive for international stocks either. Most likely, uh, Europe is already in in a recession. They're dealing with issues that the U.S. doesn't have. For example, energy that they have to import from Russia. And uh, they're very dependent on that. So most likely, Europe is already in a recession. But valuations also justify, uh, you know, kind of taking a look at that, market, because we're looking at U.S. market, for example, is selling at almost 17 to 18 times earnings yeah. for next year, even, right. even though we don't know what those earnings are going to materialize <laughs> yeah. or not. But but valuations are very high historically. So just to put things in perspective, back in 2011, when U.S. stocks were at the low level, yeah. that price to earnings ratio was around 11. Yeah. So there is no magic number what, what it should be or where it would be attractive, but 17, 18 versus 11, obviously that seems pretty high. Now in comparison, when you look at the international developed stocks in, in Europe or Japan, uh, valuations are more reasonable. So they're selling about 12, uh, 12 times earnings. Uh, uh, so it's not, it's not as expensive. You're looking at emerging markets. And that's when we're talking about uh, China and uh, Brazil Mm -hmm. and India and so forth valuations are even more reasonable because they have done really poorly the past 10 years or so so valuations there are almost like 10 to 11 times earnings again the big uh, country in emerging markets is China which grabs a lot of headline uh, news and there's a lot of headline risk they have this uh, zero COVID policy. So every time there's a case, they shut down the big parts of their uh, cities. And that's all, obviously has been very negative for the, for the markets. But but China is, is a large country, so is India. Again, what, one thing to kind of keep in mind is India, for example, just recently passed the UK as the fifth largest economy in the world. and when you're looking at India's population, majority of it is 20 uh, some year olds, right. which is not the case in the Western world. So what's ha- what's different now versus 20 years ago is that all these younger people in emerging markets are all connected. They all have uh, smartphones. They do banking online.
0: The Each, growing middle class.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And the whole e-commerce is a is a bigger topic in emerging markets than even in the U.S. So so there's a lot more e-commerce doing transactions online in China than there are in the U.S. So I think there there is good reasons to be globally diversified. Again, we don't know when that tide is going to turn and nobody's arguing right now that we should be overexposed to emerging markets or to international, but kind of having that exposure Globally, I think it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, you put a couple of things in perspective. Like if you're a consumer at a grocery store and you're going to go buy a product, U.S. is more expensive than Europe and Europe's more expensive than emerging markets. So if you want value for your money, you're going to be looking at Europe or emerging markets as, as a consumer or as a shopper for investing because valuations or prices are cheaper. Exactly. What are your, you know, You hit on a couple of components in terms of size. The U.S. has 350 or 370 million people. The world has six and a half billion, give or take, or or closer to seven, right? So just in that perspective, when you're looking at investing around the globe and the growing middle class, you want exposure to some of the largest areas of the market, which can be emerging markets or, or even international. What are your thoughts around people that say right now is a good time to invest in international stocks because the dollar is so strong? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, again, I mean, let's, let's, let's think about for a second why the dollar is strong. And uh, I think the U.S. has been more aggressive raising rates versus Europe. Europe is going to also raise rates uh, pretty soon, maybe 75 basis points uh, as well so the fact that u.s markets when the fed is raising rates you're looking at the two-year treasury which was yielding below one percent now is yielding three and a half percent or so so u.s assets become more attractive to international investors Mm -hmm. so that the stronger u.s dollar is attracting more assets to the u.s because why would you invest in 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 a euro bond where you can get Uh, you know, three and a half percent in U.S. But again, when you adjust that for inflation, uh, it's not as attractive. So strong U.S. dollar is attracting assets to the U.S., but also it's going to uh, not be positive for the earnings of U.S. companies. Mm -hmm. So I think think just kind of look, those things kind of over the long term, I think they'll kind of cancel each other out and the effect of the U.S. dollar, you have to really look at, the fundamentals of companies, and when you're looking at <clears throat> Europe, for example, companies that are in Europe, uh, Nestle, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's big uh, chocolate and candy maker. Yeah, you love know, chocolate. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> you know, you're looking at all the all the German cars. You're looking at SAP, which is a technology company, kind of uh, in line with what Oracle does. Uh, in the US but at much lower valuation. So all those are attractive companies and I think the fact that currency fluctuations and, and kind of perception of where risks are higher has sort of dampened the valuations of those companies. So that's why I think it makes sense to have exposure. Again, not be overexposed, but have some kind of exposure to those kind of companies.
0: So the main talking points for why international stocks is the diversification against U.S. in the event of a lost decade again with U.S. stocks. Again, no one has a crystal ball, but international the next 10 years could potentially outperform the U.S. with the challenges that we're facing and the fact that valuations are so cheap, it's much more attractive uh, from an investment perspective because they're not as overpriced compared to US stocks. So those are the main takeaways. Absolutely, yeah. I
1: think you hit on them really well. I think those are the main things. Again, you, you want to maintain that home country bias, but you don't want to ignore you know, the rest forty percent <laughs> of the market capitalization, which is outside of the U.S.
0: Sasan, yes. thank you for joining us today. It was a pleasure, and I hope uh, I hope everybody got got something to take away from it.
1: Yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah.